is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler back here for segment number three on Steelers Nation Radio. Man, having an absolute blast Mm. as we are talking about, you know, the wide receiver room, um, especially our in-house guys, because I always feel like this time of year, the in-house guys kind of get forgotten about, you know? We get so enamored with who's potentially a free agent. We get so enamored with the draft guys that we forget to talk about our guys. So I want to make sure that today we show the homies a little bit of love. So to wrap up that conversation, though, because we've been talking about it a lot and it's been a ton of fun, a ton of fun. I know you couldn't wait to talk offense today. I know how you do. The one thing I want to start with, though, is. Deontay Johnson in this contract situation. Now, we've seen some of the rumors of what he was looking for in terms of contract on a per-year basis, and a lot of people thought that that was a high number. And then people, you know, obviously rebutted and was like, well, no, man, it's not that high when you compare him to this guy, you compare him to that guy. And we understand that, but the problem is those aren't here. You know, we didn't pay those guys to like to that standard. So I wanted to know from you, since we just heard Kevin Colbert essentially say that, you know, it's not a guarantee that they're even going to get that extension done. If you were him, in terms of Kevin Colbert, are you getting an extension for Deontay Johnson this season? Or do you allow him to play this final year out? And if he if he feels he's a $15 million receiver or, you know, higher, give him an opportunity to actually prove that. How would you address that situation? Buddy, this one's pretty easy for me. I, I let him play this deal out. I let him play out this last year. Part of me is, is the, the, the proper way to say that because everything you referenced in the first segment of the show, to boil it all down in case you missed it, maybe you just joined us late. The reason that I would make him play one more year out on this contract and see what happens is because of Benjamin Todd Roethlisberger or him not being there anymore. You you need to see what Deontay can do with a different quarterback. And like you mentioned, yeah, um, he was there when, you know, Ben went out six quarters right. into the season in 2019, but he, he was a rookie. He wasn't the same guy that he is now. To me, I, I want to see what he can do with Mason Rudolph or the veteran quarterback that they bring in or whoever it might be, Malik Willis, whatever the scenario, the hypothetical is. I want to see if Deontay can can do it with a guy who's not bound for Canton one day. I want to see what Deontay can do next year with a new quarterback and what's I think we all think going to be a different offense, an offense that's mm-hmm. going to be uh, tweaked pretty you know pretty noticeably from where it was at under Ben Roethlisberger. Um, for all those reasons, I'm 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 keeping the the cards close to the chest on this one, and. I'm going to let it play out. And if, if he goes out and he proves to me that quarterback doesn't matter, he can still produce, he can still put up numbers. Maybe I got to pay a little bit more. Certainly, you know, maybe I, I end up not saving as much as I'd like to, but you're going to have the cap space. Anyways, you're not paying a franchise quarterback. You, you should be all right in that regard. Um, for, for that reason, I, I want to see this thing play out for one more year and I want to see what he can do in what should be a, a revamped offense with, with a different signal caller. I'm not going to lie. I am actually surprised you went that route. I really thought that, you know, you were going to go the, yeah, man, go ahead and sign him. This is what you're supposed to do. I always say, don't kick the can down the road. Right? Right? I always right, say, right, right. 
long with TJ Watt. What yeah. are you doing? Right. And it's like, oh, if you would have paid this guy in year three, he would have been $10 million cheaper than when you paid him in year five. <laughs> so I am actually surprised by that, but I do not disagree with that logic because you're right. We haven't seen Deontay at this stage without Ben Roethlisberger. And he has been the force multiplier. He has been the X factor. I don't know what Deontay looks like without him at this level. Can he actually carry the wide receiver group? Because let's be real, when he did it his rookie year, it was him and James Washington having success. It wasn't just Deontay. And it was still a little bit of a mixed bag then. But now we're talking about paying him wide receiver one money. Totally different conversation. Big time different conversation in terms of where he's at right now, in terms of expectation, in terms of productivity. And just if we're being frank about it, eyeball test. Mm-hmm. Like plenty of people have numbers and we talk about numbers can be deceiving. But eyeball test, what does that tell us? When it got late in the year, we felt it was a little bit of a drop off. Regardless of what he may say or regardless of what a number may say, there did it did feel like a drop off. And when you're watching the games, it was noticeable. You could certainly feel it. So with that, I do agree. I would I would love to take the wait and see approach. Now I wonder, does that cause potential turmoil? Because he's seen guys get paid before him. He's heard about the steal away in terms of we always pay guys after their third season if we're going to extend them. Does that make him feel any less engaged, or does that make mm-hmm. him disgruntled? Because that is something that we might have to consider being that this is his first go around. We haven't experienced him in contract negotiations just yet. Not everybody is nice and friendly. Not everybody wants to, you know, do the Find middle ground. Thing. Yeah. yeah. Some people are a little bit more hard in that. And I'm not saying that he is or isn't, but all I'm saying is I can't make that predetermined assumption because we truly do not know. So when I factor that in, I would love to take the wait and see approach with them. You still have them under contract for another year. It, I don't think that it kills you unless he goes out here and proves that he is a legitimate bona fide number one receiver. And then you say, you know what? I don't mind paying you that money because I was going to have to right. do it anyways. Right. right? Yeah. So no, I could definitely, that, I could definitely understand that part, man. Yeah. And you know what? Like, <laughs> I think you said that well, because some people might view that as a worst case scenario. Where, okay, your worst case scenario is a lot of what you and he I kind of talk who he is. <laughs> you, you and I, remember, I mean, we, we said this at multiple times throughout the year. Aren't you glad that they paid TJ Watt? Because imagine what that price would be coming off the season where he tied Michael Strahan for the all-time single season right. sack record and he won defensive player of the year. Yesterday's price would not be today's price for TJ Watt. Right. But – but but I, I think the way that you just laid that out, like you could look at it that way and look at it like, oh, no, what if, you know, what if. But I think that's almost you could argue also a, like, OK, I think so that's the, a good so, thing. So you're so you're telling me the worst case scenario is is he has a great season and he proves he's a wide receiver, number one, and takes that next that final step forward. And you got to pay him like a wide receiver, number one. OK. Is that the best case scenario? Maybe right. instead of the worst because case Because let's scenario? be real. Let's be real. When Antonio Brown was here and he was the number one receiver in the NFL for all those years consecutively, did we ever complain about paying nope. him wide nope. receiver one money? Did nope. we ever balk at the fact whenever we would say, hey, nope. we're going to have to extend him and give him even more money? Did we ever nope. say, man, what did we, we should have paid him five years ago and locked him up long term? 
No. You know why? Because he was a number one receiver. And I just personally feel like, man, if Deontay truly can prove that and he truly feels like he's capable of that, why not give him that opportunity? If anything, I can understand his agent maybe telling him, hey, man, job security, you can get a nice deal right now. But I could also see him saying to his agent, look, man, why settle for this and get on into yourself. a deal that I'm going to be asking for an extension or I'm going to be asking for an upgrade two years into this thing, three years into this thing. And then you got to deal with the stigma of, oh, man, you're being selfish. You're being greedy. When I think of all of that, I, I, I say, man, if you're Deontay, you might want to consider betting on yourself to an extent because – if you prove that you're a number one receiver, that's a way more, you know, when you right. talk about that money is way different than what he's asking for right now. Yeah, no, that honestly, as we've kind of talked this out here, that might that might be the, the best way to go for both parties, realistically, because if you're the Steelers, you protect your, you know, your longer term interests right. in terms of, you know, okay, maybe we'll have to pay him a little bit more money, but at least we know we won't be overpaying for a guy. Um, and if you're Deontay, you stand, you know, a, a reasonable chance to, uh, to cash in even more. Yeah. Without a doubt, man. And I will say this, I do feel like Deontay is in a way better situation contract wise, or potentially had an interfere agency a year from now wise than a Juju Smith-Schuster was. Yes. Because with Juju, the big question was, what is he without Antonio Brown? We really never saw him stand up as himself at wide receiver now granted he had seven but that was the knock on him and he really never answered those questions whereas Deontay he's already proven that he is a good receiver in his own right he doesn't need another person so I feel like his market is still going to be good if it ever got to that but if you're Deontay I just think that man you're capable of taking the next step and why get locked into a deal right now before you actually prove that because all this is going to do is create that headache a year from now, two years from now, where you're asking for a little bit more money mm -hmm. or in some cases, a lot of bit more money. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, and that's, that's what you, you know, would like to avoid. You'd like to see this play out in one of these kind of, you know, best case scenario hypotheticals that we've, that we've laid out where it's very clear. Okay. This is what we should do. We should, we should pay the guy to keep him here as opposed to, you know, um, having those those tough conversations of, you know, you want this number. We don't think you're worth that number. We think you're more like this. And here's what you don't do well. And here's why we think that you're only worth this this amount. Um, you'd rather have it go the opposite way for, for a multitude mm -hmm. of different reasons. Absolutely. Now, the last thing I'm going to ask you about this wide receiver room before we transition a little bit here. His counterpart, Chase Claypool. Hmm. Now, with Chase, granted, we're not even talking extension for him just yet. He still has time. He still has to improve a lot more and to be more consistent. But we also know that in today's NFL, people get moved. You, you use good players for bargaining chips, whether you're talking about acquiring more draft picks, whether you're talking about package deals and stuff like that, when you're talking trades. Is Chase a guy that you would consider using in a situation like that to acquire more draft picks or to trade for a little bit different setup. Because if you're talking about drafting a wide receiver early on, you know, you don't want to have two of the same type of people out there. Right. So when I think of that, I say, man, is he a guy that you could potentially consider moving just because he does kind of fit that framework of guys that get traded good, but yeah. not all the way great. 
you know, you, you feel like they got a chance, but you don't really want to commit to them long term just yet. But you still have them on a, a really team friendly deal being in it's on a rookie contract. Sure. What Second round pick, too. Yeah, absolutely. I hesitate to part with guys in the in the trade, you know, trade market trade conversation here when it feels like their value isn't at their highest, Mm -hmm. right? And after the rookie season that Chase Claypool had and a lot of the projections and a lot of the the Mm -hmm. expectations that people had for him in year two, his his value was certainly higher on a trade market this time last year than it is now. And I just, to me, you know, it feels like, uh, you know, you could have sold the stock last year and gotten a lot bigger return, and, and now you're not going to get as much of that. I think I'm more willing to stand by with that stock and see if the market improves. I don't know. This is probably a really bad example, but you see where I'm going here. Well, I, I see what you're saying, but I guess my rebuttal to that is this, though. If you felt like the stock took a hit, what happens if it takes another hit? Well, because, that's, because that's a great point. Because think about it. When his stock was at the highest, it was the quarterback. It was Ben looking mm-hmm. good. Then when the stock started to take a step down, it was been not looking so good. Now we're taking another step potentially yep, down yep. in the quarterback room. And it's like, well, what does that look like then? And that's why I say to myself, when you're talking about, hey, don't allow that stock to really, you know, don't, don't wait till it's too low to try to move it. That's kind of how I look at Jake yeah. right now, because there is a lot of uncertainty in our quarterback room. And we know no matter how elite you are as a wide receiver, you are dependent upon the quarterback getting you the ball. We would see that when it was Antonio Brown and Landry Jones was the quarterback. We've seen that when Josh Dobbs had to step in at times, regardless of who has come in that wasn't named Ben Roethlisberger, the wide receivers suffered. The wide receivers' productivity took a hit. And when I think of Chase, I think of, okay, if you're a team right now and you're looking at him, you can still see talent there. You still see big speed. You see a little bit inconsistent play. You probably have some questionable maturity. You question his maturity to an extent, but he's still intriguing. But if you're the Steelers and you're trying to figure out, man, all right, I want to build my roster. I want to do this and that. Well, we know if you want to continue to build through the draft, maybe you go out there and get more draft picks. Well, who is even, you know, a guy that would command draft picks to that extent? of quality yeah chase is that type of guy and you talked about the wide receivers that are coming out in this year if you go that route maybe you pick one of those guys in the first round because now you're saying well hey now i got two second round picks or now i have two third round picks and it just changes or you have a second and an additional third like those are some of the things that i think of when we're hearing kevin cobra talk about trying to win a championship you have to figure out, okay, well, how can we acquire the most talent? How can we make the most of the the piece that we have? And in some instances, that involves moving those pieces. And I think it would be different if we hadn't seen the Steelers move players before. But now we're looking at how many years where we've seen them. They, they've mm-hmm. changed. Mm-hmm. I mean, they traded Melvin Ingram in the middle of the season, a guy that we said, yo, you help us. You make us better. We felt the impact at times when he was gone. But it was because he became disgruntled, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it was a time last year where Chase might have been a little bit disgruntled. And yep. He might have yep. been a little bit upset. You know, so I asked myself, well, well you know, do, do we even consider that? Or is it a little bit premature? But that's why I was like to rely on you in these situations, <laughs> baby. Well, 
you know what what gives me pause and concern as well too is if you trade Chase Claypool, it almost feels like you're just creating an additional need. Yep. You know, that, that yeah. maybe more than anything you, we, we talked about the first segment of the show. I think, you know, about the offense, you feel good about Deontay. You feel good about knowledge. You feel good about Pat Fryermuth. But other than that, it's a lot of question marks. Do you really want to mm-hmm. create another one when you already need a, 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 to add a wide receiver to this group? Um, but is it creating a hole if you are potentially acquiring more draft picks, which are more resources to acquire sure. more talent? That's the part for me where I'm just like, yeah, then maybe you kind of pigeonhole yourself again, though, in the draft, like where you have to take a wide receiver early. And what if the board just doesn't fall to you that way? Like it, it worked out but, great with no, no, Najee no, but, last but, but year. But we right? can't forget that we still have the money for free agency. Well, that's, that's the part that sure, we typically sure. don't have both. We typically is one or the other. We have both. True. We have both options. So it's like we could do that and still bring in a guy through free agency, the veteran guy that we're talking about, or a mid-tier guy that we're talking about in terms of the sum being greater than the whole. But at the same time saying, hey, since we acquired an extra draft pick, an extra two draft picks early, not, not in the background, not in the fifth, sixth. No, no, no. Chase, if you're moving him, he's a second-round pick. Like that's mm-hmm. You're looking for those quality second, third-round and I would say multiple because of who he is in terms of the productivity or not the productivity, but more so the potential for higher end productivity. But in our situation right here, just trying to figure out how to expedite, you know, this team making it to a Super Bowl. Those are some of the things I think of a little bit. Yeah. Is it too irrational? I don't know. Mm. But we've never been in a situation like this where we've had to try to contend for a Super Bowl and build the best roster, but not have the quarterback that we want. Yeah. Excuse me, not have the quarterback that's a Hall of Famer and Ben Roethlisberger. Right. Yeah, it's cool. And that, I mean, that just in the, the scope of everything right there, that changes everything, doesn't it? It, it does. Because it's like, if if, I, if Kevin doesn't say, if Kevin Cobra doesn't say they're still trying to win a Super Bowl this season, I don't think you have to be as erratic. I don't think you have to be as, you know, just selling the form. We're, we're doing everything to get there. Yeah. You know, a la L.A. Rams. Sure, but when you sure. say you're trying to win it, well, we don't have enough draft picks. I don't feel like right now to just do it like that. And we obviously we will see how we handle free agency, but we haven't seen a history that we are ultra aggressive, like how the Rams would be. So it's like, how do we build this thing up to where it's going to help us next year? Not three years down the line, not two years down the line. We're talking 2022 this season coming up. Right. I think that's just a different element. It is. And I'll I'll say this, too, in terms of these conversations, and you could tell me if I'm wrong here, you could tell me if I'm missing somebody. But when I look at this roster right now, there's only three guys that if you know, if if, and if another GM, if another team calls me to inquire, there's only three guys that I'm just not having a conversation about Correct. Cam Hayward, TJ Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Non non star. I mean, unless you com- else is on the table, unless you right? unless you're coming at me and you're offering me th- three first round draft picks for Minka. Okay. Then maybe I'll take the phone call, but like, other than other than, <laughs> that's a good point. Other than yeah. those three, like I wouldn't want to take any phone calls on trading Najee Harris, but I would listen. Someone, someone blows you away for something. Um, it feels like there's only three guys on this team though, that should be, that have earned the right to be taken out of that conversation. Cam, TJ, Minka, the rest every option should be considered and exercised and, you know, um, explored. 
Fair enough. Well, to finish wrapping this up, then feet to the fire. If you had to decide right now, would you trade Chase? Yes or no? No. Fair enough. I I'm do betting. Agree. I would not. I'm, I'm betting not on that stock. Either. I'm betting on that stock yeah. to bounce back, baby. I, I'm with you as well. But we had to discuss it for conversational purposes because we understand that, hey, this is the offseason and you have to really look into all the potential ways to build your roster, all the potential ways to improve your team. And, you know, that's essentially what we're doing. Even when we talk about a Deontay, I'm sure there's people out there that say, hey, man, you got to extend this guy right now. I don't care about any of that. You're going to have others that take that side of the fence like how we felt, more of the wait-and-see approach. But I feel like with Chase, he's another one of those guys that is kind of polarizing to the same extent. Some Mm -hmm. people are already done with him. Some people don't think he's going to take that next leap, whether it's because they don't think he can develop or they question, you know, where he's at from a maturity standpoint. But either way, you know, he's polarizing like that. And that's the part that makes it interesting, man. But you brought up a guy in this conversation. And it happened to be the same guy that we heard Kevin Cobra talk about as well. Najee Harris. Najee. Now, we know the type of season he had a year ago. I mean, the dude was flat out balling. Right? Pretty good. If it wasn't for a Jamar Chase, you know, might have been in that conversation even more so for a rookie of the year. Pretty good. Yeah. But when I think of him, and I think of how productive he was, you hear Kevin Colbert say that, you know, not just Najee, but we think he could be better. We think he could have done more. Well, what does more look like? Because <laughs> when I think of Najee, the, the first thing that hit my mind, I said, man, still have 400 plus touches. I said it took El Bell the year three and four of that, or excuse me, four and five of his deal to get 400 plus touches. And we saw ever since then, he's never really recovered. He's never really been the same. Yeah. What does more improvement from Najee look like? More productivity from Najee look like, or a, a, just a, a more improved, right? I, seriously, what does that look like? Because like yards per carry, even more like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, listen, in a way, I wasn't surprised to hear that. You know, it, it feels a little bit like GM speak, and you know, you're right. you don't want to anoint your rookie after one season. You want them to stay hungry. You want them to continue to feel like they got to prove I it, get and that, they got to be a realist as well. Though, yeah, right? correct, correct, hundred <laughs> percent. And you did. You asked Najee to do a lot behind. Is it, I mean, is it even being rude at this point? It's it's the numbers are what they are. A bad offensive line, yeah. and a. Future no, no, Hall of Fame. Young, just say young offensive line. Uh, nice. Inexperienced. Inex- no, inexperienced. Yeah, inexperienced. That's, that's the word I'm looking for. Rewind. Yes. Rewind. <laughs> <laughs> Behind an inexperienced offensive line, a quarterback that, yes, is destined for Canton and is, is one of the best to ever play in the NFL, but also had his limitations at age 39. Um, and, oh, yeah, an offensive coordinator who was, it was his first time ever as a coordinator in the NFL – um, that's a lot of moving parts, and that's a lot that you put on Naj um, in his rookie year. Can he do more? I mean, yeah, absolutely. He's going to get better. He should get better. Right. Man, they asked they asked him to do a lot, and I think for him to do more, they they need to have more around him. I think that's that's the answer. You improve the offensive line, you get more out of Najee Harris. It's it's that cut and dry. But now, are you concerned with getting more out of him, potentially wearing him down sooner than we would like? Because 
400 plus touches is a ton of mileage for year one. That's like you getting that brand new, you know, that Lambo that you bought the other day for your birthday. That's like, I'm that's a, like I'm you a Maserati that guy personally. Oh, oh, excuse me. That's like you taking that Maserati and you driving, you know, cross country the first time you get it. You're like, bro, I didn't put, you know, 100,000 miles. I put 60,000 miles on this thing a year. When you're like, bro, what you was doing? <laughs> Why you treat it like that? <laughs> so are you are, are you a little concerned about that? Because last year it was speculation, right? Last year it was, hey, running backs don't last long in the league. That's why you don't draft in the first round because the value. But then we see the way that we actually used him and how towards the end of the season we saw it was like, man, is he breaking down? Is this what's going on? Hmm. Are you concerned about that when we're talking about potentially getting more from him? I mean, I, I, I'd just be, I, I wouldn't be being, uh, I wouldn't be being honest if I said no, but I also, I think I've maybe just accepted that one from an NFL perspective and two, certainly from what I've come to know of 15 years of Mike Tomlin is, is the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. They want to run those wheels off the running back, man. They don't, they don't look at it and say, Oh, we, we got to get, eight years right. out of Naj, and so we have to pace this and pitch count here and that type of thing they want workhorse like at least get to four or five right you would you absolutely would uh, <laughs> i'm um, just like right now i'm like how's it gonna get to year three lord <laughs> but you know what maybe that too is it the functioning of this offense taking a step forward doing more in terms of what we think matt canada wants to do schematically um and, and you're able to, to do more through the air. You're able to do more with Pat Fryermuth. Uh, and maybe too, you know what, Moats? This is a big part of this equation too, and I'm glad I thought about this here as we get to the end of this segment. Maybe one of the things that you should add to your offseason priority list is a legitimate uh-huh. number two running back that you trust. There you go. And not Benny Snell, who you're going to give two dozen carries to throughout. I don't know if that, I don't think that was actually the number, but that you're going to give just a handful of carries to. Nothing of substance. Him, Kalen Balaj, and even Anthony McFarlane. I mean, combine all three of those guys' carries together, and it's just like, that didn't take really anything off of Najee's plate, and especially when you still had Najee in there pass protecting as well. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, look at look at look at some of the times that Lev was at his best. Who was behind him on the depth chart? Pretty D'Angelo Williams, D'Angelo Williams, Legarrette Blunt. Mm-hmm. You know, for Absolutely. for a brief stint there. Talented um, guys, guys that you could trust. Guys that when they would go out there, you knew they were going to give you a certain level of productivity. Correct. Right now, we really don't have that, so we are really forced to sit there and and just roll with Najee the whole time. And that's the part where I'm just like, I just don't know if this is going to be the best case scenario for him going Completely forward. Completely agree. When you're talking about upping the productivity, getting more out of him. I'm like, man, what else can, you, can he give you? What more can he give you than what he gave you last season? No, I, and you know what? Maybe it's one of those things, too, where in some ways when these conversations, less is more. If, and that's if, what I would I, I would like that a lot. Yes. You 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 don't want your starting pitcher. Why am I using all these bait pitch count? Man, maybe it's because maybe it's they because announced baseball. Like baseball? Baseball's in a lockout, right? Maybe that's hey, why. That's all hey, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Not, not, not if you like the fact that baseball's in a lockout. Do, 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 all right, there we go. <laughs> like you, you don't want your ace pitcher going eight innings every outing. Right. 
you know, you, you got to save that. You got to save that arm. You want to trust your relief guys, right? To, to, all right, you get your solid six or seven innings out of your ACE yeah. and then you get them out of there and you go to the bullpen. I think you need some of that with Naj, man. You need somebody else that you trust putting in the backfield um, more than three or four snaps a game. Yeah. Without a doubt. <sighs> Ooh. That was this fun. Is one of those combos, man. This is one of those days. I'll tell you what. In house, you know, the we Mot- always look out at the house. We never look in the house. Moats Moats host Wednesday is just uh, that that stock price is going up. I'll tell you that right now. Hey man, what did you say? Yesterday's price, today's baby. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I produce. Wesley Euler. Guys. <laughs> Got to give a shout out to the power grid, the mega doesn't go. So we always appreciate your support tuning in. You know, granted, we couldn't get your feedback live, but like we said, man, hit us always on the twitter.com at body 52 and at Wesley Euler to just let us know your thoughts, comments, concerns on the things that we discussed today. But lastly, and certainly not least, I got to give a shout out to my partner in crime. I'm talking to one with a good head, Mr. Wesley Euler. Woo! There it is. So, with that being said, man, y'all already know where to find us on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Stellars. Mm-hmm. Nation. Okay. Radio. It is. <laughs> <laughs>